feel it coming in the air yeah. And the screams from everywhere yeah. I'm addicted to the truth It's a dangerous Sorry. love affair Can't be scared when it goes down Got a problem, tell me now Only thing that's on my mind Is who gon' this town tonight Hey, welcome in, welcome in It's Tuesday, welcome in to the Carmen Lassiter Sports Talk Radio Show we are live. I am in studios. It's Demry Lachey. I have been out for for some time, for some time now, for almost uh, about a week and a half. Been out with the flu, but back in action, back in studio. I was here yesterday, but just getting over that last little part of the flu. But yes, we are live. It is Tuesday. It is the day after the national championship of college football, the first ever college football playoff in the, I guess you could say the FBS, uh, BCS era, the new college football playoff era in the uh, top college FBS world, not because the FCS has been doing it for quite some time now, but the FBS and sending out the huge congratulations to the Ohio State University Buckeyes for not only winning the game, but dominating the game last night against the Oregon Ducks. And a uh, uh, great all throughout exciting football game had its highs and its lows for both teams, uh, mostly lows for Oregon. Couldn't really get anything moving on the offensive end, but Congrats to Ohio State, man. They won forty-two to twenty. Uh, put a little extra, little, little salt on the end of the uh, of the victory stick because they had the game won. I think pretty much going into the fourth quarter. Well, it was a close game, eight-point game, but Ohio State was moving the ball pretty much in that last little, little segment before the fourth quarter began, and they punched it in to begin the fourth quarter, going up thirty-five to twenty. By then, that's when I knew, I was like, okay, if Marcus Mariota in his Oregon offense doesn't move the football at this point in time, not even just, just to move it into field goal range, um, that this game is, is over. Just the way that Ohio State came out and dominated the game uh, from start to finish was was pretty set in tone, but it was it's all about the finish. Because um, Ohio State, they made plays where, you know, uh, the quarterback, Cardale Jones, third-string quarterback. How about his story? Um, guy who going from starting on scout team, um, just doing a bunch of reps for Ohio State and going against their ones in practice every week and not getting a lot of publicity. Just 22-year-old uh, redshirt, I think, what is he, redshirt sophomore. I mean, this guy was not even thought of uh, for stepping even on the field behind center. I mean, of course he was thought of because he was on the roster. He's, he is on scholarship, and he plays for the Ohio State, and you never know with Urban Meyer. But at the same time, uh, going back to what's on paper, Cardale Jones, just, this guy just came out of nowhere. Now he's playing in the national championship game. I mean, you have a 22-year-old who just had a – recently just had his first child, his daughter as well. Now his name's getting brought up in uh, NFL draft prospects and talking about he could be the number three overall quarterback to be selected in this year coming up uh NFL draft in 2015 right behind Mariota and Mr. Jameis Winston it's just odd to see that it's just it's kind of good it's kind of a great story to tell um this kid come out of nowhere and I mean the NFL scouts are drooling over this guy's talent his arm strength his uh patience in the pocket uh just his whole deal his mannerisms his he can Lock it to the game. I mean, this guy got thrown into the Big Ten Championship after uh, their, their recently their second-string quarterback who led them to where they are, I think, now. 
uh, who led that team throughout the whole season was JT Barrett through the Big Ten play, even though he took a rough loss against Virginia Tech early in the season. And, and they had their doubts after that game. Definitely coming from me, uh, I was giving them hectic, and especially going in Big Ten schedule. I'm like, the Big Ten's not competitive enough besides Michigan State. But by, by the time Ohio State played Michigan State, they turned that all around. JT Barrett played, I think, one of the best games of his career, his, of his young career. And he led them all the way to the Big Ten championship game. You know, he took a rough uh, loss um, of injury when they beat Michigan, the rivalry, uh, Michigan at the end of the season, the last game before the season. You'll hate to see a story in that way for JT Baird and for him to be gone for the rest of the season. Now you're just looking at, okay, who is the next guy that's going to step in? Then out of nowhere, they're saying, oh, okay, we're going to go with our uh, scout team quarterback. This guy has been backing up Braxton Miller and JT Baird since the day this guy stepped on campus. And, um, yeah, we're pretty much not even going to throw this guy even probably to play his even his whole career. But, uh, yeah, we're going to throw this guy, uh, Cardale Jones, out here, even though he's a future NFL prospect. He's going to be a national champion. He's going to lead us to beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. And, oh, he's also going to win the Big Ten title for us. I mean, it, the story of this team is just incredible. Not only that, but the other guys around um, – Cardell Jones and that offense and Ohio State defense. The other guys around just stepped up tremendously, um, especially that defense. Uh, the defense was unheard of. They were so sound. They were pretty much healthy through through the whole season. And if they weren't healthy midway through the Big Ten play, then they definitely got healthier from the guys who was coming back at the beginning of the season during the camp and who played against Virginia Tech, who took some nagging injuries, especially in their secondary. But some of the linebackers just stepped up their play uh, they're huge uh, All-American defense alignment, and Mr. Bosa, I mean, he was incredible last night. you just seen every energy, every passion point that he wanted to make throughout the, uh, his whole season. You know, he a lot of these, a lot of being an older guy like Bosa, being an All-American, you, you know, you're being looked upon as a leader. But not only did he take his game to a great exception like to another level I mean he just took his whole game and just put it on a whole nother pedestal the way he led this team not only in the Big Ten Championship since JT Barrett's injury occurred I mean Bosa has just been sensational he already had a great season for the D-line for Ohio State's defense and leading the defense and causing a lot of pressure for Big Ten quarterbacks for uh, non-conference games as well I mean this guy he just stepped up his game to a whole another level. And I think a lot of that is, has to be due. Uh, had a lot of that credit for Ohio State's defense is done with Bosa. I mean, he was causing hectic for quarterbacks uh, at a high exceptional level. And they also had a great interior defense lineman in Michael Bennett. I mean, these guys just stepped up incredibly for that defense just to be like, you know what, we're not going to have excuses. We don't have – our third-string quarterback. We don't have a third-string corner, third-string safety. There's no excuses. We have our top-tier interior defense alignment. We're going to start it here right up front. And that's what they did. They matched plenty of teams' intensity, especially going against an offensive line in the unit of Alabama. I mean, come on, Nick Saban recruits the best top recruits year in and year out. Now, I mean, you're talking about the biggest O-lineman, D-lineman. These guys go first-round draft picks, second-round picks. Like it is nothing, uh, year in, year out. You can look at most of the NFL old linemen uh, who are starters now, and you see that most of these guys came from Alabama, came from playing with Nick Saban and 
then you got a team like Ohio State who's been in, you know, who's been, I guess you could, now you could say overlooked, but at that time before they really weren't up to par as the Ohio State that they're known for. And they felt like they put the this big black light on the Big Ten. And a lot of people have been giving the Big Ten a lot of uh, slack, have been getting them a lot of uh, crap to go through. Not only this season, but the seasons before um, last few last few seasons, because of the big top dogs in Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, I can go on and on. Michigan State, Penn State. I mean, these guys have lost that mojo that they have been known for in the '80s and the '90s to bring that bring that certain edge to compete with the SEC teams, to compete with these top uh, these Oregon's, these Pac-12 teams. A lot of knock has been going against the Big Ten and saying, you know what, the Big Ten is. How are they getting? Uh, how do they? How are they even deserving top ten teams? And you know the level of the Big Twelve play as well. Uh, the, just the Big Ten has been just dropped from that, and it's amazing to see the turnaround season that not only Ohio State had, but Wisconsin they went in their bowl games, finishing their season strong. Nebraska, uh, Michigan State finished their run strong, even though they were projected to be in this top four playoff team playoff deal uh, from the preseason. And for them to finish off, even though they lost a huge one to uh, Oregon at the beginning of the season, then take a loss to Ohio State, I think that's pretty much the only games that Michigan State has lost all season was to the two teams who are in the national championship. I mean, that has a lot to say about the Big Ten and Michigan State itself. That Sparty, you know, really didn't fall apart. You lost to the national champion and the national runner-up and the Rose Bowl champion who beat Florida State, who... People were saying, you know, they, they who thought experts were saying they're going to win the national championship. James Winston's going to win back-to-back titles, but Oregon beat them. That has a lot to say about the Pac-12. Not only that, Michigan State, who a team that finished what second in the Big Ten behind Ohio State overall, and for them to now they they can look at success on their season. They beat a uh, SEC team in their bowl game. And that can that drives into the passion of next season because now that you look at next year, Ohio State, Michigan State are going to be up there. Wisconsin, Nebraska, these teams are going to be up there. The Big Ten is now back in action. I think it's safe to say that the Big Ten is back and they're here to be reckoned with because they not only did they finish out you know their regular they they always last few seasons they always have teams you know with finishing around two three losses maybe four at the most out of these big tier teams out of the Big Ten. But now you can say these guys are finishing their season. The Big Ten has finished what they started uh, from the beginning, from being preseason ranked high just because they have high programs. I mean, yeah, you could say Michigan, Michigan, University of Michigan and Penn State, they're going through some coaching changes. They're going through uh, some adversity right now. But you know now they're going to bounce back. James Franklin is going to bring back Penn State like no other, even though they haven't been winning since Joe Pye and his glory days since the 80s and 90s. I mean, early 2000, Joe Pye had a few good Penn State needing line teams. But now I think James Franklin, he this is now, what, year number two for him or year going into year, yeah, going into year two. He's going to have his, his, his guys, the guys that he want to bring in for Penn State. He's going to make sure his guys are meet the exception levels of Michigan State, of Ohio State. Now that you have a national champion being in your conference, that builds – the whole conference in the South to pick up their play. And then you have a team like uh, Michigan going with Harbaugh now. The hometown kid is back 
that I think the huge rivalry is going to be incredible starting off next next season between Ohio State, Michigan, and between Ohio State and University of Michigan Wolverines. I think that whole aspect, that whole rivalry, is going to be incredible all season for them team, two teams to meet up next season because you have two exceptional coaches. I mean, coaches at the high level, two of the most respected coaches in all of football, no matter if it's pro, no matter if it's college football, high school, whatever you want to see it as. You have two exceptional coaches at the two biggest schools, any big team who bring in the most money, uh, besides Penn, Penn State. Michigan State is now up there with Mark D'Antoni for what – uh, he has been causing for him to hold up the Big Tens in in the last few seasons for winning the Rose Bowl last last year, then winning the Big Bowl game um, this past season, uh, this few weeks ago. I mean, it's great to see like these Big Ten teams are now starting to take over. They're starting to gain the national attention that they well put together years and years before. And now, it's, it's, like I said before, it's great to see this t- these teams put it together in this new college football era era, and the SEC starting to go away. Now, I'm not taking any slack away from the SEC because the things that the SEC has to go through, these teams, um, Alabama, now Ole Miss and Mississippi State, these two Mississippi teams came out of nowhere this season. And for them to be uh, in that argument now in the SEC with LSU, um, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, I can go on and on. I mean, this slack the, – the, the things that these teams have to go through uh, week in and week out just to get to the college playoff, just to get to the SEC championship, just to get to the national championship football game. The SEC has tremendous talent week in and week out that they have competitive games where you can't take a week off. Like, per se, the Big Ten, you go up against a team like Indiana or Purdue or Northwestern, you know that talent is going to prevail over these teams. Even though these teams like Illinois is going to fight, they're going to have great competitive games uh, just because they know each other. They know each other coaches. They've been around uh, the Big Ten play for some time now. The players know each other all from uh, dang near around the same area in that Midwestern part. Yeah, that, that's all good and gravy. But when it comes down to it, I mean, Ohio State has there, – there's no slackers coming through the Ohio State hallways. There's no uh, – there's no little um, jump arounds that's coming through Michigan, the halls of Michigan, uh, Michigan State. These guys are getting top-end recruits, um, four-star, five-star recruits coming to their school, to their programs, going against a team like Illinois where, you know, you can you can beat a team like Illinois, uh, you know, pretty badly. That could be like your off week, I guess you could say, like Ohio, for a team for like Ohio State, Michigan State. You can beat uh, beat up on a team like Indiana, who's been very competitive last few years, even though they're going to have a drop-off with their All-American running back, Tevin Coleman, who's going into the NFL this coming up uh, draft. But, you know, you can beat up on those type teams. And in the SEC, I mean, who you have? Vanderbilt, who they can probably play great football in any other conference. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, those are your slack-off teams. But other than that, I mean, you got teams like Missouri, Texas A&M, uh, I can go on and on. I mean, Alabama, you know, uh, LSU, the big the big dogs of that conference as well. Now you got Mississippi, Mississippi State, where those used to be the teams where, you know, hey, we can beat these teams. We can go in here and beat them. But those games are so competitive down south. I mean, those guys, kind of like the Big Ten, they know each other. They've been around each other. Uh, when you have, like, your three-star, two-star recruits who end up 
um, getting scholarships at Mississippi or Ole Miss. I mean, it's, it's reasons why because they they might not have the big name, they might not have the big uh, stars behind their names, such as like an Amari Cooper who has so much to live up to once you commit to the universe to the um, Alabama. Like you don't have the big five star name to live up to, but. You played against Amari Cooper in high school. You grew up against him. You grew up playing maybe the same Pop Warner League with these guys uh, year in and year out. So that's why you you gain these guys who get them to go to Mississippi. Or they might have been, uh, you know, B.J. Sims' roommate like or best friend in high school. So he goes to Mississippi State, and now when they play against them, they know about him. So the SEC stays competitive, and it's so hard that even at the end of the year, these these teams are exhausted. I think Alabama lost to Ohio State because they were exhausted. They have plenty of, a lot of injuries, a lot of uh, guys, not really injuries, but a lot of players playing hurt. Um, you know, you could play hurt, but you can't play injured. And a lot of these guys were worn out, legs were tired. I mean, cause they got to go to such through such a brutal SEC schedule. You kind of lose that mojo. You're like, oh, okay, we're playing on a team like Ohio State who's, amped up, ready to go, ready to steal that mojo back, to steal, you know what, yeah, we're we're in the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten's maybe not that strong in the last 10 years or whatever, but we are still the Ohio State. So they have a lot of momentum, a lot of energy to play with, a lot of, a lot of deal to play for. They have a lot to play for. They have to represent not only the state of Ohio, but the Big Ten in itself. So these guys are amped up. Urban Meyer knows how to amp up his players. I mean, uh, all weekend long, and even last night, you heard Tim Tebow coming around when he was talking um, with the ESPN and college football playoff uh, panel or not, and broadcasting with uh, ESPN. Tim Tebow said it over and over. Urban Meyer, no, he might not be the best recruiter. He might not uh, be. Uh, he not might not bring in the best players. He might not be the best competitive uh, year in and year out. But at the same time. This guy knows how to motivate. He knows how to push his players to a whole nother level. And that's what he said the difference was at University of Florida. Tim Tebow, knowing good and well, he can't throw a lick. But Urban Meyer never told him, Tim Tebow, throw throw me 400 yards. I want you to throw 300-plus uh, yards, five-plus touchdowns, whatever you got to do. No, just do what you do. Do Tim Tebow. And Urban Meyer motivated him to trust Percy Harvin, to trust his defense, to bring those guys in together, and that's how Florida just dominated. Coming up, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, we're going to talk more about the college football, the aspects of after the season. Hopefully, Kwame Lasker can call in. Um, I know he's running uh, some pre-draft camps right now whatnot. But coming up after the break, we're going to finish up more, talk about that. Also, NFL playoffs. You listen to the Kwame Lasker Sports Talk radio show. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday 
at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Lockdown coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Hey, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio Show. We are live. I am in studio. Demry Lachey, Kwame Lasseter, he is out. I know he's, uh, I think he's working with the Exos, uh, they have their pre-draft workouts with some of the uh, young, talented guys. I know we talked about it. Was it was it last week? I think it was. Um, we had talked about it. It's, it's that time of year for younger guys coming out of college football to get that jump start. Um, trying to get pick up their name in the draft board and go out to these, get up with these agents and come out to these little draft camps, especially out here in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's about eighty degrees now. And then what is it? The month of January, um, yeah. Where you getting a good workout in? Where you get some advice from uh, guys who play in the NFL, such as like Kwame and uh, pretty, pretty much a lot of other guys out here in the state of Arizona. Um, yeah, right now it's, the, it's a huge time for those guys to get an uplift because they they're done with college football and they now they had to move on to the mindset of not only is it you're still dealing with football, but now it's more of a business aspect and. I think it's a huge deal for those guys who, you know, are projected in the fourth, fifth round, uh, who has a chance to jump up to second, third round talks, and it starts now, and they get to, they get, they get to get a huge jump, um, such as guys who prospects who you already know who's going to go first, second round out of teams such as like a Oregon, Alabama, uh, the guys who was in the college football playoff, who guys who played in these late bowl games, but you know, you got. Guys from smaller schools, such as like Utah and uh, like West Virginia, guys who seniors who are coming out or juniors who put their names in the draft, uh, guys such as like USC, Arizona State. These guys have time now to gain not only uh, the more talent but the knowledge behind it, to work on their 40 times, to work on the aspect of getting to know their agents, getting and building their relationships and that trust. It's a huge deal and huge time now, and it's I think it's a great deal. Uh, for them to get lined up with guys such as like Kwame, who works with Exo Sports and and these facilities, who can go out and see these guys train and tell them what they need to eat and getting that whole deal of it. Because coming out of when you're in college, I mean, playing college football, from my experience, I mean, you you really don't have uh, the money, the meal plans to really deal with uh, life 
while you're in school and, you know, you're dealing with school and trying to graduate, thinking about getting a degree, but only that, not only that, but uh, working towards your college football, your dream to play in the NFL. So I think right now it's a great time to take care of that advantage of that right now. And I think we have Kwame calling in now. Uh, We were just talking about, oh, I was just talking about, you know, uh, your deal right now with XO Sports. And I know that you're out of studio right now. And, you know, there's no excuse for that. But you're always working when you're not supposed to be working. And I think that's a huge deal. Uh, helping these young guys out, getting these guys to get an extra jump, these projected four fifth-round draft picks. You know, they get an extra jump over these guys uh, playing a national championship game like Ohio State and Oregon and Alabama's. These guys get that extra jump. And uh, it's good to hear from you. Good to see you. So I'll let you get some time in. Yeah, these uh, yeah, I'm I'm out here with a you got a couple guys from Colorado, uh, USC, uh, a lot of guys that that didn't do uh, that didn't have the bowl games or didn't have the playoffs or or pretty much done with their bowl games. But you're right, they get that extra edge ahead of schedule. While you have guys that will be from um, Ohio State yeah. and and Oregon. Uh, but they they are here doing well. Some of these guys right now, this week start thinking bowl or the East West Bowl. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys are gone, but I do still have about four guys left that I'm working out. It's kind of raining out here in Arizona. It's yeah. a good rain, but this uh, we gonna get the classroom in now. That's nice. That's a great deal. That how they mix not only on the field but off the field. You get to get them back in the classroom session and. Yeah, these guys are preparing for the East-West Bowls, but it gives these guys a still chance to keep working at their game, working at the craft before you hit the professional level. And I think that's an awesome job. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to be up there tomorrow because I know i got some free time, so I want to come check it out myself. Uh, going about this game last night, man, uh, the first first segment had ended, but you know I talked about Ohio State, how they brought back the Big Ten, um, not only them by themselves, but – Big props to Michigan State trying to hold it down, honestly, for the last few years for the Big Ten. You know, they've been holding on for the thread, and I think Michigan State has a lot of credit to do with that. But now Big Ten is back, man, because you got Michigan coming in with hardball. Uh, Ohio State winning national champion championship. Urban Meyer, lead coach. James Franklin ready to take over, uh, what is this, year two now with Penn State. Uh, Nebraska, don't you yeah. know Nebraska also. And then they Nebraska, exactly. Yeah. Nebraska, Wisconsin, winning bowl games, doing that. I mean, the Big Ten finally finished out, and I think they're back in it now. And what do you take from uh, this game last night uh, to start off with? One of the things I think they're lining the conference up, you know, to talk about over two or three years ago when we were talking about how they taking teams from one conference, put them in the next. Absolutely. How they lined all these conferences up, and this is what they wanted. Mm-hmm. This is what they got. I think initially they wanted to get to the – to this, this type of playoff system. Uh, we talked on there yesterday. I feel there should be more teams into the playoffs, but you have to start from somewhere from the BS they had with the BCS yeah, uh, prior to. Uh-huh. So the last night game, you know, and, and before that game, you know, I thought Michigan State would finally get over that edge because they were holding a Big Ten up for a long time, for a while. Mm-hmm. Now with Mark D'Antonio running the uh, Michigan State organization or football organization, Mm-hmm. Ohio State and and what they've done over Urban Myers, what he's done over there, what he's done in Florida, he's he's that type of guy. You gotta you gotta know that he's gonna get all those recruits now coming out of Florida. He's gonna get all the southern south southern uh, guys coming out. Oh yeah, out of that area. Now he's still able to get them and take them up north with him to Ohio State. 
I didn't think I think we both picked I think we all picked Ohio State. I didn't think it was going to be a blowout because at one point the score was 21-20 yeah. Ohio State, and that was in the third quarter. And what they did there, what the Ohio State guys did there uh, was amazing, mm-hmm. uh, even though University of Oregon was without it was without a certain players for obvious reasons or certain reasons. Yeah. Uh, but it was a good game up until the blowout happened. Yeah. But you can kind of see it. It, it, it was it was bound to happen. Uh, even though Marcus Mariota, I think he played one hell of a game. Uh, for you know, after the game, a lot of the experts are saying, "Oh, he could have played better." He, the, the kid threw for three hundred thirty-three yards, no interceptions, besides the one at the end, just a little hell Mary throw up. But I think he played one hell of a game, man. I mean, I tip my yeah. hat off to Mariota. He, no, he didn't get off running, rushing, running around because he didn't have. He he couldn't have because he lost, like you said, his two big. Uh, leading receivers going into this game because you got a knucklehead who didn't want to hold off and he doesn't understand the preparation of you don't win championships just on Monday night. You win it uh, last Tuesday, last Wednesday, whenever you took that puff and got that stuff in your system. You know, that's when you win championships. And uh, Oregon lost that edge. They had a few players uh, who didn't play either towards injury or suspension, which was well needed for Mariota. I think if he had those two... uh, those two players, those two big-time receivers for him, it could have been a whole nother game. And he did what he could, man. He threw for 333 yards, none taken away from him. But the Ohio State defense was, I mean, these guys were not, you could tell they weren't just playing with just for uh, themselves. They was playing for the state of Ohio, for the Big Ten. They had they, they, they got a young core group of team, and these guys were just pumped up and loaded and ready to go. Uh, they just had more energy, more enthusiasm. Uh, Urban Meyer is a huge motivator. I mentioned that Tim Tebow mentioned that numerous times uh, before the national championship game last night. He's a huge motivator, and you could tell uh, Urban Meyer gets his teams ready to go. Rather than Florida, Ohio State, I mean, his motivation, just you could tell that energy out there. It kind of reminded me of, like, Seattle, uh, the NFL, uh, the Seahawks defense. Like, they were just jumping around, excited, just excited to play football. And right, and the um, Urban Meyer didn't leave anything to chance. You mentioned Tim yeah. Tebow, but he brought a lot of his guys in, and and they wanted to know, as Tim Tebow said in one of the uh, uh, publications or TV interviews, that you know what do you want me to talk about. So Urban Meyer had to think about it, and then he just one of the things that was key was bringing those guys in and let this Ohio State crew know because Ohio State before that has won national championships. They've won seven prior to winning their eighth last night, and Urban Meyer winning his third. Mm-hmm. But bring those guys and talk about what we do on a consistent basis. And it's being, it's being disciplined. It's, it's playing with energy and having a passion. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people disconnect uh, with that because if you're not disciplined, and we see that in the case of uh, Oregon, uh, the University of Oregon's uh, players, the, um, how you're not disciplined, and you can affect not only yourself, but you affect the team. And you put, and that's a selfish act. You put yourself before the team mm-hmm. in a team sport. It's going to come back to bite you. Absolutely, like you, you're right. Mariota had a he had one heck of a game last night. Like that guy, I just hope he goes to a professional team. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 32 NFL teams, but not all of them professional. He deserves to be in the. I put it in the mindset or the case like this: RG three and R and uh, Andrew Luck. Uh-huh. He deserves to go to a team that's right there on the edge of winning, and he's that guy to go give him a, over that hump. Uh, and there's a lot of good quarterbacks to come out. Uh, we all still looked at uh, uh, C. Jones uh, last night, or Cordell Jones last night. Yeah. 
they talking about him coming out, but he's only had three games, so it's not enough film. I think he's doing stuff well, but there's a heck of a problem that the Ohio State Buckeyes have mm-hmm. having three quarterbacks to come back to find out who's going to start. Yeah, uh, somebody's going to move on. They can't all start. Kwame, I think you brought up a great uh, deal right now. You made a great point how the talks of Cardell Jones now going into the NFL. I mean, let's talk about I think we should get on that for a little quick second because it's funny. The guy played three, only three football games. But look at the three games he played. Big Ten Championship, Sugar Bowl, Alabama, down south in Louisiana, and a national right. championship game. What else? What, what more film do you need to see? He played you know against what? a Big Ten opponent, the best of the Big Ten. You play against Alabama, the Alabama, the Sugar Bowl, at an uh, environment that you're not used to. He played in two neutral sites, well, quote-unquote neutral, even though Alabama had a whole fan base down in uh, Louisiana that we talked about. I mean, what, what more do you need to see out of this kid? He was a third-string quarterback. He's not going to get this chance again. I mean, you know, on paper, what's the, what's the chances of JT Barrett having another season injury? Uh, season-ending injury or uh, Braxton Miller coming back, him having another deal. What's the likely chance of Cordell Jones ever even playing again in college football? I think I think you make that jump now. You get better as a pro. Uh, he has the mindset. He could, you know, he, he probably needs to work on talking to the media more, a little bit more, but that comes with it, more experience, more games. Um, they're comparing this guy to Cam Newton. Like, you know, Cam Newton only had one season. Uh, they can play in him. About thirteen games. Yeah, he had about but, ten uh, more games. Right. You know what? Those, those are because I can argue that uh, what you said. Those are good. Those are good games. And he also played against Michigan State, who was supposed to at that time be the toast of the Big Ten. Right. He played in some big games, uh, but he, but obviously he wasn't the quarterback. But three big games he played in, those were huge. Those mm-hmm. were huge. What he do? The problem is, is two things. One, I, I say. He doesn't have enough film. Uh, the, the next one is, or might be, should be the first one is, he doesn't <laughs> run in the pro style offense. So there's only a handful of teams he can go to. If the quarterback can't get under the center in the NFL, then your offense become one dimensional. And could it? Could he get used to it? I'm sure he can get used to yeah. taking the ball under from under the center as opposed to the shotgun all the time. But when you look where these guys come from, uh, quarterbacks these days in the offenses, a lot of offensive coordinators are running. They're running the spread. They're running the shotgun spread. They're running the midpoint. So mm-hmm. a lot of these kids don't go into the center. They get they get scholarships and recruited from being in the shotgun and having so much so much great talent at a high school level where if they don't pass the ball, they're dynamic with their legs. Mm-hmm. But you all, all of a sudden you have a handful of guys who can actually pass the ball and not throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Passing and throwing is, is totally different in my opinion. Mm-hmm. A passer gets the ball to the receiver. A thrower just throws it up and let the receiver go get it. So you want to get the ball to the receiver. Yeah. But you have dynamic receivers also in the case of the ones that's coming out this year. Yeah. I think uh, if I'm if I'm if I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneers or something like that, uh, and I got a good quarterback coach, I got a good offensive coordinator, I wouldn't have a problem taking a chance on uh Cordell Cordell No. Don't. Absolutely. I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. Because you get a young guy and maybe can come under a veteran leadership where he can sit for about Six to eight games, and he learned the offense. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have he doesn't have anything to prove from here on out. Even when he stepped up as a third string quarterback, yeah, he has nothing Everything to prove. He does now is downhill. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he has none. He has none to prove. He he's not like he's Jamin Winston or RG three or Mariota, where you coming in to the NFL draft like, oh, you're going to be the next great big big thing. Uh, Andrew Luck, you know, he he doesn't see himself as the next great thing. He just says, hey, I get another shot at playing quarterback, which I think makes him different than like him and RG three's mindset. Or I think RG three was thinking as I got to be great. I got to I got to play. I got to play with a torn ACL. You're a great football player, but you you don't well, have to play to other. People you know expectations. RG three and Andrew Luck, yeah, you you're right. They're totally different. And also, who you are, and where you come from, the expectation that comes with being very uh, true. A, that quarterback or a black quarterback, but true Andrew that. Luck was groomed to play in the NFL. He plays in a pro style offense right now. Yeah. So he he came in understanding the concepts, understanding uh, route recognition and defense. But he played in. And remember, he had Harbaugh coach for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember. Yep. He, he had him uh, down, back there at Stanford and also with David Shaw still. But with, with Cardell, man, I think I think you have to take this chance now because what's the likelihood of it coming around again? You play a whole other season. You throw more interceptions. Then you have more film. Then you have more people to talk bad about you. Right now they're talking good. Take that leap. You have nothing to lose. They they was talking about this guy could be the number three overall quarterback taken out the draft. He ain't gonna be <laughs> quiet. Wow. You know how bad they did uh, Terrell Pryor. They're gonna look for a reason. I think he come out like you said. I take a chance on put him up behind a battery. Yeah. Hey, absolutely. I don't I don't think he's a starter from day one, no. But he can I learn he can learn from Cam Newton. He can hey, learn. Yeah. A nineteen twenty year old. He got a twenty year old kid. 21 at the most. He's 22 years old. It was stated last night. Sitting on your program. Uh-huh. 22, he has about 15 years easily. <coughs> He's 22 years old. and But you're looking at guys almost around his age. I mean, look at Logan Thomas. No one expected him to play this season, and he had his shot. He had his chance. I don't see a big difference between Logan Thomas and uh, Cardale Jones, even after three games. I don't care. I've, I've seen this guy practice film, whatever he, things that he's done in practice. He was a highly recruited uh, coming out of high school. I don't see a big difference between him, him and Logan. If Logan Thomas can play on Sunday, I think Cardale Jones can play on Sunday as well. I mean, that's the, that, that's the project. That's the people he's going to be surrounded with, like uh, that style of quarterback play. And no, I, I like he throw. He made some good throws last yeah. night. He made some mistakes, but he made those. He made those mistakes from inexperience. But yep. he made some great plays, and the ball had a had a zip on it. I, I think, he, I like I said, I'll take that chance. I think he can do it. But uh, he has to be in the right situation. You know, timing is everything. Mm-hmm. Timing and 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 plays in the right situation. Absolutely, I think he'd be fine. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take our last break, and coming up after the break, we're going to finish up on uh, some more NCAA talk, a lot of NFL coaching movements as well. I want to get a talk about that a little bit, and also LeBron James being in Dallas, got a game in Phoenix tonight. Call me last of the Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Voice. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the last segment of Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. Ohio State feeling like them boys right now. And they should. Uh... Do you see this the beginning of a dynasty, Kwame? I um, see the beginning of something, and it look, it's looking good. Imagine, I'm just thinking, imagine how many recruits they're about to get. Ooh, ooh. Sorry, Bama. That team, and then we can start talking dynasty because what they have now, mm-hmm. they can still be one of those top teams next year, but the guys that's going to be coming in, and, and we're talking about guys coming in ready to play, not waiting until it's their turn. Mm-hmm. Although it's kind of like, it, it, it's in, put me in the mindset of how USC used to be. You, they used to have like three levels of backups, and all of them could play anywhere in the country. Right. But they play one year at USC and go in the first round. Ohio State might be getting to that point right now. Yeah, and it reminds me of uh, University of what Miami. Uh, I yep. watched, uh, yeah, I watched their U. You know, the U segment on Thirty for Thirty, and also the U yep. Part Two. I didn't. I never realized how talented that team. Their team in what two thousand and one. 2000 and like through I think when they lost to Ohio State from 2000 to 2003 that roster was loaded with first round draft picks and like yeah. you said um, Ohio State has that chance not only at the quarterback position but I mean that running back come on are you kidding me Ezekiel Elliott what uh, redshirt freshman six foot two twenty five and then they also had Curtis Samuel who was a true freshman I mean that was their speed back and he's just going to get better over time. And this team is young, Kwame. Like, it's scary. Uh, Joey Bosa, I think he was a redshirt freshman there, number 97, their DN. Um, he's coming back next season. This team is young, and it's and, and it's scary because, they, like I said before, they remind me of that Seattle Seahawks where it's like we're young, we're talented, we're overtalked, but we're we going to go out here because we don't give a F and we're going to show it why. You're going to play with nothing but huge enthusiasm and, like, they – they have a bunch of raw raw guys, but they they can prove it on the field. Um, they don't have big time names. We don't. No, we don't have Alabama. We're not. Uh, we don't have uh, Amari Cooper running up and down. We don't have Derrick Henry in the backfield. But we we got some talent back here, and y'all need to pay attention to us. And I, 
this team they they they're gonna start that dynasty now, and I hope I hope Urban Meyer stays for another two three years just to see where this team goes. Yeah, it seems like I'm gonna have to go to uh, Michigan State, <laughs> coach that and coach that DB unit up because uh, they better get rid of these guys. Got some swagger with them. They got mm-hmm. a confidence level that it's gonna be tough to bring down. Okay, how many games they lose? They gonna feel like they gonna win every game, and yep. and to not to be mistaken, they have won every game since they lost to Virginia Tech. Uh huh. They have. They they won out, and it's and it's funny because I remember back when uh, the Michigan State, uh, Ohio State Michigan State week. Me and you was talking about it. I think we projected like Michigan State gonna blow out Ohio State. JT Barrett's not ready, and it was the whole complete opposite way around. And but going back to the point, I mean, look at Michigan State. This team ain't going nowhere. Look at look at the two losses they had. Oregon when Oregon was fully healthy. Fully and unstoppable, and they should have beat them. You're right, absolutely. They just got tired in the beginning of the season. That's what happens. Right. And then Ohio State, you lost to a national championship team and a national runner-up. Michigan State well, ain't got nothing to lose. They, I mean, they, they. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty much done with the point. But um, they had a very successful season as well. You lost to a national championship team and a national runner-up. And if I'm Michigan State head coach, if I'm Mark Antonio, um, that's how. I'm gonna market that. That's how I'm gonna motivate those guys. That's what I'm gonna tell these guys about. Look, we have um, we have this is the teams we lost to. Both teams who was in the national championship. So we don't have anything too much to worry about except let's let's tidy up the mistakes for the reasons that we lost, and then we feel like we can beat anybody in the country. We lost to two of the best. Mm-hmm. If it goes down to as far as how they got in the playoffs and who won it and who was playing in that playoff championship game. Mm-hmm. So we, if I'm the Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio, I'm, I'm motivating my guys, and I'm I'm talking to the recruits like that that's coming in. Yeah, absolutely, and that, that says a lot more. Like you said before, uh, says a lot more about the Big Ten, man. The Big Ten is back; they're about to make some noise. Uh, I think they, with this national championship victory, with the way they ended their bowl season, I think they jumped the Pac-12 because I, I you know me I, I I got on the Pac-12 bandwagon this season I was like you know what Pac-12 SEC Pac-12 then everyone else now uh, Big Ten is up there Big Ten SEC one and one because the SEC go through so much man I talked about it earlier I don't want to go back and talk about it again but they go through so oh, much week in and week out but don't sleep on the Big 12 now if we, if oh yeah 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 Big 12 makes yeah Big 12 makes some noise yeah mm-hmm. we, we don't have a bowl game because and the hypocrisy of uh, of all that is Ohio State never used to have a bowl game because they switched the conferences up and they playing them how they playing them now. It doesn't matter, but now it only matters in the sense of well, you got to have a bowl game to define who your champion is and not just win it out. So that's more so that's more so the problem with not having a conference bowl game that the Big Twelve doesn't have, and now the Pac Ten or Big Ten does. Mm-hmm. Yep. So overall, let's just end on this college football segment. Uh, overall, the 2014 uh, college football season. How did you see it? How do you feel about it? Uh, where do you see next year moving on? Even with hey, these it was, projections, it was good. I, I like what uh, how it all went down. I like what uh, college brings to the table outside of the politics, outside of the politics with anything. You know, we talked about we talked on air about the difference between pro professionals and. Um, uh, somewhat semi-professionals because mm-hmm. I think college is a business. I think it's professional, but players don't get paid. Neither here nor there for the question I'm about to answer. <laughs> it's, it's more fun to watch college guys because the passion is still there. There's no pay. They plan to get to a certain point 
professionally, it just seems when you go to, even in the stadium, even when you go to the professional stadium, it just seems like all business, even as a fan. You yeah. go to a college stadium, you ready to root and cheer regardless of your age or where you're from or, or, and definitely rooting on your team for your team. Right. Absolutely. No, I agree. It's crazy. Like yesterday, we was hearing from them Cowboy fans, the video you played, hilarious. You think Des Bryant really, a few weeks from now, he's going to be like, you know what? I So what? It was a call. I'm a pro. I got, I got a business to take care of. I ain't got time to think about that play. Where you're in college, you know, you're still going to reflect on that. All season, you get to build upon that, and you get to take it out on the next team next season. Um, going into right. the NFL talks, a lot of coaching rumors. Uh, what shocked me yesterday, John Fox is done in Denver. Uh, they parted ways, him and the ownership, him and John Elway, of course. Uh, they parted ways up there in Denver. I was very shocked by it. Um, you know what I heard yesterday? What's that? I heard that uh, Yeah, I was shocked by it, too. I was surprised by it. John Fox is a pretty good coach. From everything he's done coaching-wise and where he's taking things, I heard something uh, on talk radio about he's gone. Peyton Manning's playing bad. uh or playing, uh, let's say bad, so I can get on with the conversation. But <laughs> Peyton Manning moves into the head coaching job. And I thought about that. I oh, said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's interesting. But you know what? The caliber player Peyton Manning is, I don't think Peyton Manning has that type of patience to move into that job and coach up some 22-year-old kids. And then we've got Brock Osweiler backing him up. Mm-hmm. Peyton can still, he's just as good. Well, he's better than Brock right now, so I don't know why he would take that step down and, and not win a championship before I try to win a little championship at, from the quarterback position as opposed to the coaching position. Mm-hmm. If anything, Peyton Manning goes into the front office. And, and if you hear the talk around the football world, you think Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Archie Manning. Mm-hmm. You know what these guys are trying to do. They're trying to position themselves, and they've done that. That's why I feel like that move from Indy to Denver was a, was a move that – to build their own team or to get their own team. They can't build a team, but to get their own team, their mm-hmm. own franchise. I think that might be in the worst within the next five years. We might hear even more loud noise about that. Man, that's interesting. That's very interesting. You just you just pinpointed an interesting subject that is going to be on a lot of people's minds now for quite some time, like you said, the next three, four years. That's interesting, man. Because, uh, you know, after the game – you know, they had this whole quad tear with Peyton Manning. And to me, it's nothing new. Growing up as a Colts fan, you don't ever hear about these injuries till afterwards. You hear about, oh, he going through three neck surgeries. And it's like, what, what, where did all this come from? Like, before the game, it was nothing about no neck surgery, no quad tears or nothing. But then after the game, you know, it's he has all these injuries. And then the coaches always opt out. The coaches leave as soon as these injuries start to occur with Peyton. And now, like you said, he moved on to Denver to try to get a more of a grip of a whole franchise. And you're right, because Archie Manning, he stepped down for the college football panel, uh, playoff panel. Um, Eli, I don't know. Eli's just going into his, doing his little ugly phase. But I don't think he's going to be playing too much longer in New York uh, because I think Tom Coughlin's going to get out of there in the next year or so. Eli might move over to Denver, and like you were saying. Uh, he might be the quarterback, Peyton might be the old coordinator, head coach, whatever it is. And Archie Manning going to find his way in the office as well. And John Elway ain't got no issue, no problem with that, to be honest. That's interesting, man. We've got to keep our, our eyes on that for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, Eli, enough <laughs> of Eli. 
in, in New York. Bring Eli to Denver. Uh, right. They're not really thinking about Brock. Bring Eli to Denver, pay to go in the front office, or maybe coach, get about three, four, five years. Co- coaching is hard. When you're that caliber athlete, coaching oh, yeah. is very hard. Because you're not going to put, you don't have that patience. Uh, the guys are not going to watch film and study opponents like you've done over the past 18 years. And then you're going to wonder why, how is he not taking this business so serious? But I think going to that front office and creating their own business, Eli, Peyton, and Archie, they're going to be running some other franchise in a minute. Watch. Yeah. I, man, that's funny. That's the first time I've heard of that and put it all together now. It's, it makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of uh, I kind of how the Jones boys down there in Dallas kind of turned the, had control of the Cowboys. Um, speaking of uh, head coaches and more coaching jobs, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's some coaches that are still out there. One in particular is uh, Ty Bowles, who's looking for a head coaching job, or not necessarily looking, but you know his name is out there. Um, some of these positions start are need to start getting filled. Um, I know the Falcons' name has been brought up, but uh, the Bears are also looking. What they're talking about, John Fox, they look like they're about to hire John Fox because he fits their system. Um, the 49ers. I know Todd Bowles' that's, name. That's a, good, that's a good hire. Yeah. That's a good hire. You, you know how that, all that stuff is. It's, it's who you know most times. Right. Sometimes. Absolutely. Because John Fox on the uh, Chicago, him being a Chicago Bear, he, that's a tie that he had from uh, the uh, Jack, all his past coaching days. And now the guy who was probably handing out tickets now the GM over there. So why wouldn't he uh, be be headed or looked at as the the next coach for the Chicago Bears? And what he does offensively and where where he's taking things, the Chicago Bears definitely need some offensive direction. They have great talent over there, but they need some offensive direction. Absolutely. Uh, the 49ers are rumored to get uh, what's his name? I forget his name. Uh, they they're flying to Denver. They, uh, Broncos offensive coordinator. They're flying to Denver to talks to have I think they had like an eight hour meeting or eight hour interview, something like that. Six hours. Something just takes a whole day to really just to do one thing, just to give this man a job. I think the forty nineers are pretty much I heard on a talk radio earlier this morning, um the forty nineers are ready to make moves and gain uh the the Denver's offensive coordinator, give him the position. I and where truly I thought they were gonna go with Todd Bowles. Out of Arizona, I thought uh, they're ready to make that change because he's used to the AFC West or the NFC West, excuse me, and uh, he knows the NFC talent and he knows San Francisco more than anyone else. Uh, maybe besides probably Seattle or St. Louis, but I thought Todd Bowles was guaranteed in San Francisco. But obviously, they're not ready to pull that trigger and look like they're going to go snap this guy from Denver. I'm nervous about Todd Bowles. I don't know if he should take that Tampa Bay job. Atlanta's no. open. Atlanta's a possibility, but you got to restart with that whole defense. Honestly, you got some talented guys that's there already to go, but I think you got to restart and, in Atlanta. But it looks like it's either going to be between the Jets, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay for Mr. Ty Bowles. Yeah, I, I think Ty Bowles deserves the head coach's job. I think he's put that time in. He has a great defense. He puts a great product on the field. I think he. I know he, and we've seen it. Got the best out of his players. Got the best out of guys who were second team guys. He got the best out of those guys that came in, played at a high level. So maybe he's a motivator of men. Maybe he can do that, and that's what you need for a lot of these guys. And you and you hear that? You hear me say something like that? And what? Why do Why do they need to be motivated? This is what they want to do. This is their passion. This is what they get paid. Mm-hmm. But it takes more. It's more than that. When you get a group of guys together, you have to put that chemistry 
Uh, it takes more than that. And sometimes these guys do need motivated because it's a long season. Football never ends. They probably have one and a half months off, but football never ends. And professional guys, they go about their business right after the season is over. They're going to start slow and work their way to a point where they're practicing in camp at a high level. Yeah. And I think Todd Bowles is the next guy up. I think he's the hottest unsigned coach right now at, at a head coach potential. Right now, I think he's the next one up. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, we will be back Thursday. We're taking tomorrow off. Uh, we'll be, we, yeah, we will be back Thursday. I'll be in studio. Uh, we'll be live again once again. Uh, you listen to Kwame Lasso Sports Talk Radio Show. Thanks to Kwame. Uh, Demry Lachey here live. And we'll be back Thursday. And we'll see you Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.